Okay, so this morning, I don't know that the sermon is going to be any more complicated than what we just heard with our kids a second ago. Uh, but to start, how many of you are rule followers in the most literal sense? That you do what the rules say because they're the rules, you do not question them because they're the rules, and that's the way that you operate. Okay, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. Uh, I'm noticing some trends in gender, interesting. Okay, uh, you and I have very little in common because as a child, I was taught the rules to games, particularly board games, and then I started to have this experience, and maybe you've had this experience, where following the rules was far less enjoyable than winning the game, and you started to kind of have that internal dilemma between like, but it's way more fun to win or to beat my sibling or to beat my parents in the game than it actually is to know that I followed the rules strictly. Right? Some of you are like nodding along, yes, that's me. Some of you are like, I have never thought that way in my entire life. But what I think happens for me as a kid, maybe for you as a kid, happens ultimately for us as an adult, not that we're willing to discard the rules to suit ourselves, although that does happen. But we change the filter uh, for what we listen to and what we obey. Right? As a kid, you read the rules, you're told the rules, you follow the rules because the rules said, right? Or because mom and dad said, or because a teacher said, or a coach said. We have these people who are authority figures in our life, and we do things because they say so. And then at some point in our lives, even if you're the strictest rule follower, you start to become the person you listen to most, Right? Even if you're a rule follower, the rules filter through your own lens of kind of measure and appropriateness. And so you start to become your own arbitrator of should I or shouldn't I? And this is how most of us kind of navigate adult life. We go through life using our own sense of discretion and discernment about how to live, what to do, what not to do. And sometimes this gets informed over periods of time through mistakes and we realize, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And then you learn from that, hopefully, and you grow and you adopt your own set of rules and filters and it gets kind of formed and shaped over time. But maybe now more than any point in human history, we listen to ourselves more than we listen to anything else. We have dispensed with institutions being the people or the things that we listen to. We dispense with traditional norms being that which guides and molds and shapes our lives. Truth has become relative everywhere, almost to the point where you can't even challenge that statement, which is a funny irony in the sense that you can't challenge the truth that truth is relative. Anyway, whole different side point. Some of you got that. We'll talk about it after service. But what ends up happening in our lives is we navigate the world mostly making decisions based on what we think works best. And for some of us, we're informed by outside sources and by outside opinions, but ultimately we become the smartest person in our life. Well, I'm not going to do that because, and we all know the reasons why everybody else's opinion or guidance or suggestion isn't as accurate or as helpful or as necessary or as true as what we think it is. And ultimately, we become our own God. 
because what we say ultimately goes. We have learned that life is more fun when we follow our rules, maybe not the rules around us. This doesn't mean that, you know, we're breaking into banks and doing all sorts of like crime and heinous activity, but it does mean that rules are a polite suggestion. They're a kind of a a guidance, but not a literal thing that we have to acknowledge. Some of you, you cook this way. You read the recipe. You're like, I got the sense of it. I got the gist, right? And then you kind of go off on your own. Some of you, you're like, I would never do that. But we kind of operate in life this way. We're like, I got the sense of what the rules are. I'm, and I, I got it from here. And that's fine when it comes to cooking. And that's fine when it maybe comes to certain small categories of our life. But our whole scale life, if we spend our whole lives being the one who knows best about our life, then we miss something significant. We miss all of the wisdom that has ever been captured in the world, and we miss any of the guidance that God has for us. This is kind of one of the aspects or problems that we've been talking about over the last several weeks in this sermon series called Dedicated. What we recognize is that we live in a world where not just truth is relative, but choice is infinite. And so we get to choose whatever story or whatever version we want, and we can constantly toggle between all of these options so that it suits our needs and it suits our wishes. But ultimately, in an age of infinite choice, we can find ourselves out at sea with nothing to anchor or ground our lives. And what we're contending throughout this series is that deep commitments, and a couple in particular, actually lead to a richer, deeper, more meaningful life, the life that God has intended for us, than anything that we could cobble together through unlimited options or choices on our own. And so last week we introduced this guy named Benedict. And Benedict was uh, an Italian in the 6th century who became a monk, who started monasteries, and what he did was he created what's called the rule of life. And this rule of life, as Ali described, guided how people were supposed to live, particularly how monks in a monastery were supposed to live. And this rule was a collection of wisdom from Scripture and of best practice from kind of time-tested wisdom from other people who had lived in monasteries. And what Benedict provided was a way to navigate and chart a course. It was ultimately kind of like a map that allowed people to get to the destination that they wanted to go, and that was fullness and abundance of life. And in this rule of life, there were a whole bunch of rules that guided them, but in this rule of life, what it required was for monks to make three commitments, three vows. These are the vows that we talked about last week. The vow of stability, to stay in one place, committed to one monastery for the rest of the monk's life, right? The other one is the vow of obedience, that you would listen to the abbot, the person who was in charge of the monastery, and follow everything that he and God commanded. And then the last, which we'll talk about next week, is the vow of conversion of life, the willingness to allow this to shape and to form you, to change you, to be susceptible, to be molded and corrected and changed. And last week we talked about the vow of stabilities, which means today we're talking about the vow of obedience. And as Ali already described, When you begin to read St. Benedict's rule, which is kind of the name for his whole grouping of instruction to these monks, what 
you find is that the very first words of his rule are listen carefully, which is, I think, the key to our understanding of this idea of obedience. And this is what Benedict says. He says, listen carefully, my child, to the master's instructions and attend to them with your ear of your heart. Now, what he says there, go back for me, thanks. Listen carefully, my child, to the master's instruction and attend to them with the ear of your heart. There's two things. First, this word obedience in Latin literally means to listen well, right? We can find this very simply. If you have children, are your children obedient? Well, how do you know? Do they listen, right? That's kind of the litmus test that we use to determine whether or not a child or a person is obedient. It's whether or not they listen in the way that the listening manifests into their actions. And so right off the top, this is what... Benedict is asking of those who will follow this rule of life is first, you have to listen carefully because you have to begin to understand the rules of the game that you're playing to understand what you can and can't do or should and shouldn't do so that it goes well for you. We see these instructions all throughout scripture about listening or about remembering what you have previously listened to. And sometimes kind of the tail end of that is as you listen or as you remember, put this into practice so that it will go well for you, so that your life will be rich and abundant. There's this continual connection all throughout scripture about the things that we hear and the ways that we put them into practice and the results that that creates in our life. And this is what Benedict is after. And then he says, and attend to them with the ear of your heart. We kind of have these expressions like in one ear and out the other. But what Benedict is saying is when you listen well, especially to these type of instruction, when you truly listen, it goes from ear to heart and it begins to shape you and it begins to change you and it begins to mold you. And this is one of the things I think we have to pay attention to in our world today because there is no shortage of guidance of rules, of instruction, of influencers and people who have created their own platforms who are trying to suggest exactly what it is that you should do to live life well. They have their own version of a rule book for the game of life and they all think that theirs is the best way to play the game. And as you listen to them, maybe sometimes unintentionally or unconsciously, you start to adopt the rules that they're suggesting. You start to allow what you hear with your ears to shape your heart. This happens whether we realize it or want it to. If you always have a certain news station on and that is the only type of station or the only brand of station that you get your news from, whether it's liberal or conservative, Republican or Democrat, red or blue, it doesn't matter. If that's all you listen to, it will shape you. It will form and create a very specific opinion of the world and of how you should navigate and encounter the world. If you listen to certain personalities, whether it's radio or whether it's podcast, if you're only listening to a couple of voices, I promise you what will happen is it begins to mold and to shape your heart. There's no way that that connection doesn't happen. This is why who we listen to matters so much. Parents, this is why you care about the music your kids listen to and the movies your kids watch and the shows that they watch, right? Because ultimately, it's instruction on life. If you listen to certain styles of music that have certain opinions about the role of women 
or the usefulness of women, there is no way for that not to begin to form and shape your heart about how you go out and live your life. Whether it's thinking about yourself and your usefulness as a person, the way that your body should or shouldn't be objectified, men, it has the same effect. What we listen to matters. Where we're getting our rules from matters. Because ultimately, they shape us, they form us, and they mold our hearts. Benedict goes on. He says, this is advice from a father who loves you. Welcome it and faithfully put it into practice. Now, parents, you know this, right? You don't tell your children what to do or what not to do, the rules that you give them in their life, because you love to see them miserable. That's not why you do it, right? That might be why they think you do it, just to take all of the fun out of the game of life. But come on, the rules we have for our children are because what? We love them. And we want their life to be as wonderful as possible. And what they don't know until they sit in a different seat is we can see further than they can see. We've lived more life than they can live, which means that we have a more informed opinion about what you should or shouldn't do because probably we've done it and done it poorly and suffered the consequences of the doing of the things, right? But we share these rules because we love our kids. Benedict is saying the same is true for us. So we have to listen carefully and we have to pay attention to what we listen to because it begins to shape and form our hearts. And we have to trust that the one who gives the rules loves us and has our best for us. Now, this is the way another author begins to describe the impact of both St. Benedict's rule, but also the vow of obedience that he asks his monks to take. Because being obedient for some of us is really hard. We want to be like the masters of our own destiny. We want to take life into our hands and make all of the choices. We love our independence. We love our autonomy and our own sense of self-control. These feel like highly held values in our Western culture. But this is what this author, Elizabeth Canham, says. It says, the kind of listening Benedict calls for is a deep hearing that moves beyond understanding with the mind to a willingness for the heart to be moved. Now, for most of us, our version of kind of Christian spirituality that we grew up with was you have to follow the rules because those are the rules. Don't ask any questions. And if you don't follow those rules, you're a bad person and there are bad consequences for you if you don't follow the rules. But what Benedict, and I think this author, suggests is that there is something deeper and more significant underneath the rules. It's a love and a desire that begins to mold and shape our lives. This is why the rules and our obedience to them matter so much. It's not just who, or who is or isn't going to be punished, but it's who's going to be able to experience life in its richest and fullest sense. Because that's what ultimately God wants for us. God isn't sitting there waiting to catch us in the wrong. God is a loving parent who wants the very best life for us. And so are we willing to listen to the rules in that type of a manner? Are we willing to listen to God in that way so that our life can go well? It moves beyond understanding with the mind to a willingness for the heart to be moved. She goes on. We do not readily embrace obedience, and we often expend a great deal of energy in attempts to avoid doing what is required of us. Now, this, 
I think, is really important to mention because how many of us hate being told what to do, right? Yeah, I see some hands back there. We don't like it. Whether we're in charge or we work for somebody else or we have a spouse or we have children or no matter what our role is in our life, none of us like being told what to do. And oftentimes, we would have done it if you wouldn't have told us to do it, but because you told us to do it, we don't want to do it anymore, right? You've had that experience. Honey, will you unload the dishwasher? Well, I would have till you told me to, but now, no thank you, not interested, right? There's this kind of stubbornness that exists within us, this willfulness that we possess because we don't want to be obedient. We want to be the ones that are in charge. We want to do things our way and on our own. And this is, I think, what's been true of human history from the very beginning. We see this in the story of the Garden of Eden, right? There's some rules. Don't eat of the tree in the center of the garden. And then the first thing that the snake says to the woman is not, go ahead, you can do it. Did God really say that? He begins to challenge what she heard. There's a challenge to, did you actually hear the rule correctly? Did God really say that? And then there becomes kind of the lie and the deception. Well, that's not actually what's going to happen to you. And from that point on, this is the thing that we do to ourselves when we come across any type of instruction from God or from Christian spirituality, when we read scripture or pray and we know what we should be doing because either it says it or we sense it through the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, and then we have the, yeah, but it'd be a whole lot more fun if, or, well, in this instance, because of these circumstances, and we begin to rationalize and we begin to explain away or contextualize, well, in this, because why? Because we don't, we have a hard time being obedient. And we know best. She goes on. She says, obedience is hard work. It is. For it demands of us a searching honesty about our willfulness and challenges our claims of independence. These are the things that we oftentimes most tightly protect in our life. Our independence and our own willfulness, our ability to choose for ourselves what we will or won't do, what we should or shouldn't do. Which is why this vow of obedience stands in direct opposition to our natural human tendency and behavior. This is the wisdom and the beauty of St. Benedict's vows. He takes the way that human life naturally wants to go, kind of the curvature of our heart, away from God, and he creates rules that require us to fight against it, to lean against the temptation and the natural gravitational pull away from the way that God has for us. We saw this with the vow of stability. Commit to one place and don't leave. Ah, but it'd be so much more fun to be over there. Look at the grass is greener, right? The same is true about making up our own rules and being the one who gets to determine how we live our life. I don't want to be obedient, right? I want to do it my way. Sometimes we act like petulant children, because we like being in charge. And Benedict says, listen, come on now. If you want the life that God has for you, you have to submit to God's guidance over your life. 
You can't get there by yourself, on your own, through your own opinions about how you should or shouldn't live. We have to trust that God loves us and is a loving parent and has our best interests in mind, which means we don't always know best. Jesus says it in different words at the end of this whole series of teachings on the Sermon on the Mount. He's describing two different types of people. You've probably heard this passage before, but this is what he says. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them, hears and acts, will be like a wise person who built their house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. There's a safety, a security, a stability for the life that hears Jesus' words and does them. Does it always mean that you get what you want? That it's always the most fun option? No. But it's the option that leads to the best life possible. Contrast that with the other. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish person who built their house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and great was its fall. This is what I see play out time and time again as a pastor. People will come in, their life has kind of gone off the rails and into the ditch because of a series of choices that they or they and other people in their lives have made. And they begin to tell me the story and recount the specifics and then usually about halfway through I finish the story for them. And they look at me puzzled like, how did you know? Because while your story is specific to you, it's not unique. This is how all of our lives go. If we don't listen and do, if we don't obey the will of God, our lives follow these same consistent, predictable patterns that lead us to places where we don't want to be. Because we always think we know better, and we always think we know best, and we always have a reason why those rules didn't matter or weren't important in that particular season. If left to our own devices, we'd have ice cream for dinner every night of the week, right? But come on, as fun as that sounds, we know where that leads us. Sick, doubled over a toilet. The same is true for all of the other ways that we are inclined to know better than what God says. And what Jesus is saying is, listen, if you want your life to go well, hear these words and then put them into practice. This is what Benedict's vow of obedience is all about. And so the way that we begin to do this in our life is twofold and they interlock and intersect with each other. It is prayer and scripture. The two ways that Christians from the beginning of time have listened to what God has to say. Prayer and scripture. Prayer and scripture. Prayer and scripture. Stephen, isn't it more complicated than that? No, it's not. It's prayer and scripture. But I'm not sure what God says. Prayer and scripture. If you don't understand, if you don't fully know, if you're searching or discerning through a particular season or a particular decision about whether you should or shouldn't or what the right or wrong way to navigate life is in that particular moment or in your particular circumstances, it's prayer and scripture. And that doesn't always have to be done in isolation. You can do that through a community of people who are also engaged in prayer and scripture. 
But ultimately, this is the way that the Holy Spirit begins to work in our lives. When we listen for God's voice, when we read God's instruction to us, and then we obey. We trust that God knows better than we do, that there are limits to our human understanding, and that what God desires for us most as a loving parent is for life to go well for us. So friends, as we close in prayer this morning, that would be my prayer for each of us, that we would begin to more diligently listen to God's instruction for our life, that we would engage in more serious prayer, and that we would read scripture seeking to hear so that our hearts would be shaped and formed and our lives would follow the way that God has for us. Because friends, it really is the best life. It really is the fullest, richest, most meaningful life possible. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, we ask that you help us trust you in greater measure. Trust you in a way that allows us to listen to the words that you have for us, for the guidance that you provide for us, and then ultimately to commit that listening into interior transformation and interior transformation into obedience. God, it's a word that's not any fun. But when we live it out, it is truly the best life possible. God, thank you for the gift of your son and the example that he provides on how we can live this life well. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.